0: It's nice to be back here, yeah. I really feels like this is my second home. (laughs) We just spent the uh, three months range retreat in uh, Bodhinyana Monastery, then the monks go and stay in the monastery for three months and we don't come here to teach. So we give you all some peace of mind, (laughs) some peace. (laughs) And we get some peace as well (laughs) over there, but As I said, this feels like my second home and I always like to be here and see all of you. And today I will just be talking a little bit and hopefully you can get something out of that. But if not, then I'm just happy that we are here together in a wholesome, nice environment where we all try to be good people, trying to bring peace into the world. So I want to thank you for that already. I say, this is my second home. My first home is, of course, Bodhinyana Monastery. And I just realized, just before the talk, that, wow, I've been there for 10 years already. 10 years ago, I came with the airplane from the Netherlands where I was was born and grown, where I grew up. And the airplane landed, and I took the train straight to Bodhinyana Monastery, entered the monastery, and I haven't left since. Everybody was like, didn't you go sightseeing before you went to the monastery? Just go and backpack throughout Australia first before you entered the monastery? No, I just took the train from Perth to Serpentine, and that's all I've seen from Australia. (laughs) Well, my parents came a few years later and we did a little bit of sightseeing, but I preferred being in the monastery, actually. And I'm really happy there. Most of the time. Not always, but most of the time happy. <laughs> That's why I'm still there. So before I was a monk, I think I told you, many of you might know, but I was a student in the Netherlands and I st- studied engineering. I did never have a full-time job, so all my stories are about, from before I came to the monastery, are all about students and that kind of stuff, not about having a job. But I studied uh, mechanical engineering, and uh, I don't want to go into details about that, but I studied what they call systems engineering. And when a systems engineer, you have to have the overview of, the, of a big uh, uh, project, and you have to know little bits about everything. So I did little, knew a little bit about electronics, a little bit about mechanics, a little bit uh, about programming, a little bit about everything. And my professor always used to say, You've got um, engineers who are experts, who know everything about something. And you've got engineers who are system engineers, who know nothing about everything. (laughs) So we know nothing about everything, but you need those kind of people as well to sort of run the project. And now I'm a monk. Sometimes I feel like somebody who knows, everything about something. And sometimes I feel like somebody who knows nothing about everything. (laughs) Sometimes I give Pali classes in the monastery. Pali is the language of the Buddhist texts of our tradition. And it's uh, the language the Buddha spoke, or at least very similar to it, that he would have understood it. And I've been studying that for 10 years and I already studied languages as a kid, so i feel like i know everything about that one thing and when i teach pali i feel like an expert but sometimes when i come here and people come up to me after the talk and they ask me questions then i feel more like the systems engineer who knows nothing about everything (laughs) because people ask us monks questions about everything don't they they think we know everything about everything we don't, we just know a little bit about everything maybe. So it's because sometimes people come up here and they ask questions about how to deal with their partner, for example. I don't know, I don't have a partner. <laughs> and uh, when I did, apparently it didn't not work out But because now I'm a monk, so <laughs> don't ask me. <laughs> but of course, <laughs> we give advice, Buddhist teachings, Uh, to apply to that situation. Once actually a lady asked me uh, about getting children. I don't even know less about that. (laughs) So sometimes as monks we have to be like the systems engineer, know a little bit about everything. And I gave you that introduction because today I was asked uh, by some people a while ago to at some point talk about specific subject where I don't know all the details. I'm not an expert but I think as a Buddhist monk I can apply a little bit of the Buddha's wisdom to that thing and maybe it might help some people. So today I'm the Buddhist systems engineer and I will talk a little bit about the topic of depression. It's, uh, uh, I feel a very important topic to address. Because in Buddhism we often talk about being happy. The Buddha talked a lot about joy, happiness, and all these sorts of things. But sometimes in life it doesn't work that way. We want to be happy but we just get stuck in this thing called depression. And as I said, I am Just like the systems engineer about depression, I don't know the details. So a little disclaimer, of course I'm not a doctor or a psychologist. But I think the Buddha had a lot of wise teachings that we can apply if we are depressed. So would you like to hear about that a little bit? I see a lot of people nodding and I think that's good because depression is sometimes we don't want to talk about it it's like the same with many mental uh, problems I mean, like we shove it under the carpet we pretend like it doesn't exist and we pre- we pretend like we are always happy and that we don't have any problems yeah and especially when you're a buddhist you might think oh, i should always be happy because the buddha talked about that all the time so i'm a filled buddhist if i'm depressed Ah, Can you imagine a depressed Buddhist monk? Ah, he should get fired. (laughs) You're laughing because you know it's not like that. I purposefully started today's meditation with acceptance. So, With depression we also have acceptance. I'll get back to that in a moment. First maybe I should say a little bit what I mean by depression. And also how this if you've never been depressed, how this talk might still be helpful. So, first of all, depression is not the same thing as being sad. Sometimes we are sad, we're not happy, but it's, I think, for a very good reason sometimes. Let's say you would live in the Gaza Strip right now, and you all know what situation is going on right there, and if you're then unhappy... Yeah, I think you have very good reasons to be unhappy. Or maybe a loved one passes away or you get a, a very severe sickness or something like that. And you might get sad because of that. That's natural. That's not what I mean when I use the word depression. Depression is more like this. How should I put it this kind of unhappiness that doesn't really seem to have a particular reason and it just sticks with you and you you can't seem to get rid of it and it feels like it it's it's you should be unhappy you think you're right to be unhappy but you can't find a specific reason outside of yourself for unhappiness like there's no war going on in your country you're not particularly sick no loved one passed away, but you still feel this lack of happiness all the time, which drags you down. And some of you might recognize that, have maybe have been in that kind of a period in your life. I myself recognize that. And when you're depressed, it seems like the whole world is dull and you don't feel like there is no purpose. You might not even want to come out of bed in the morning and just stay there because what's the use anyway? And th- that That's the kind of thing I mean by depression as opposed to sadness. And if and some of you might not recognize that and you have never experienced that, then I'm very happy for you. <laughs> but then this talk might still be useful because depression is very common. and. Sometimes it's not us who are depressed, but it's our loved ones, our friends, our family who are depressed. And then it might be helpful to be able to relate to how they're feeling. Sometimes when somebody is just unhappy all the time, you might not even really know if it's depression or not, but just you say, ah, oh, just cheer up, huh? just put a smile on your face. <laughs> but that kind of advice when somebody is really like stuck in a depression is not helpful might even make the situation worse because they're like yeah i want to be happy of course i want to be happy but just putting a smile on my face right now doesn't doesn't help so even if you don't have depression yourself from what i say i hope you might still learn a little bit Now, I already gave the disclaimer that I'm not a psychologist. I'm just a simple Buddhist monk who knows nothing about everything. <laughs> but uh, I should also say that the pieces of advice I hope to give are just some techniques and tips that have worked for me, that I've heard about in the past. But there's also many other techniques. Depression is a complex uh, p- uh, complex phenomena, let's say. And it's not like one solution fits all when it comes to this. And um, sometimes the solution or part of the solution can be medication. But of course I'm not a doctor so I cannot say whether you should take medication or not, but I just want you to know that as Buddhists we have nothing against taking medication for mental illnesses. So even some monks in the monastery taking medicines for certain mental problems, and that's all fine. I just want you to know that because sometimes in Buddhism there's this attitude we want to do everything the natural way, no medicines at all. If that is your thing, that's fine as well, but just know that as Buddhists we don't have a problem with that, right? If that is necessary. And I know this is a bit of a depressing topic. <laughs> but uh it's time for the for the joke of the evening. <laughs> Somebody stole my antidepressants. I hope he's happy now. <laughs> I don't take antidepressants, by the way, and uh, not that I would be sh- be ashamed if I did, but just just for you for your information. <laughs> anyway, back to the topic, which is a serious topic as well, but it's good to have a laugh as well about these things yeah, and not take f- these things too seriously. Now, depression. Let's say you're depressed. Yeah, life seems dull. You feel maybe ashamed of yourself. You don't nobody likes you why are you still living? M- you might even think those things you sh- and then you might think oh, I should not be depressed I should be happy yeah, because the Buddha told us Ajahn Brahm told me Sunya told me I oh, would be happy and I gave talks about oh, just be happy <laughs> sometimes that can be a right attitude but sometimes it doesn't work and what I found is The way to start approaching depression and many other problems in life, if not all problems in life, is with, what do you think? Have a guess. Acceptance, yes, and that's very good, who said that? Bonus points for you, (laughs) acceptance, love yourself no matter how you feel. Love your depression as well. Accept it. Be kind to it. It's part of your life. Why push it away? Now, it it might sound very easy if I say that, but actually depression has often beautiful reasons behind it. And it might even be beneficial in some ways. Sometimes when you're depressed you think in certain ways that actually behind that is compassion in a way. Let me give you some examples because I see many of you like what I you talking about right now. Let's say you, f- you think you're depressed and you think like whatever I try I will fail anyway. I mean that sounds like a negative attitude doesn't it? In a way, look at it differently. When you think like that, you're also trying to prevent yourself from disappointment. Yeah. So actually there's a kindness behind that thought because you think if I try something I will feel I better be prepared for failure than I can't be disappointed. So behind those thoughts, like I will feel anyway, is actually something beautiful. You don't want to disappoint yourself. Or you might think... Nobody loves me anyway. Yeah, that's another kind of idea you might have when you're depressed. Again, it sounds very negative, but there's something beautiful about be beyond that. Maybe some, some of you can have a guess. What do you think is beautiful about the thought, nobody loves me anyway? Nobody loves me. It shows you actually care. Oh, Sorry, yeah. Uh, I didn't see your head, but it shows you actually do care about other people and you care about what people think about you and you care about love. Otherwise you wouldn't think that kind of ideas. Uh And all these kind of attitudes that we have with depression is actually always something beautiful or beneficial beyond it. You know, every individual who, who is depressed might think different things but if you investigate those thoughts you might find that in the end they are not coming from a an evil place they're coming from a beautiful place and this depression is just a symptom of those kind of thoughts which in the end are very beautiful yeah do you want to go through life always thinking you will always succeed in everything. (laughs) Then you become very egotistic and uh, not realistic at all. Do you want everybody in the world to love you? Oh yeah, that's also not realistic at all. So in a sense, those uh, depressing thoughts actually show a beautiful side of you. So with this attitude, we can start to learn to accept our sadness and depression. And just embrace it. And don't try to push it away. Yeah. You think, I should not be depressed. I should be happy. But yeah, is it really that way? Sometimes we just, uh, it's, it's its not that bad to be depressed is what I'm saying. And Anybody, I'm sure there is some people in this room today who feel depressed. And if you do, I love you and I care for you. And I I, I think you're a beautiful person. And you are good enough the way you are. You can be unhappy, I don't mind. You can be depressed, that's okay. Yeah. And it's important to have that attitude, or at least try to be kind towards yourself, because why beat yourself up even more? You're depressed and then you're angry at yourself because you're depressed, then you get even more depressed, now you've got double trouble. <laughs> yeah, Better start with acceptance. And this is, of course, something the Buddha figured out, centuries ago with his loving kindness and acceptance of every every living being, including ourselves. But even modern psychology has is starting to see that. We you've got this thing called acceptance and commitment therapy where it starts with uh, the word acceptance. Yeah? It's a beautiful kind of approach to these kind of problems always start with acceptance. And when you really accept your depression, then this might be the end of the talk, because, oh, I'm depressed. Yay! (laughs) I'm so happy to be depressed. (laughs) I accept it with all my heart, and I don't want to change anything. I love myself. Then you don't need anything else. This is the paradox sometimes with acceptance. You accept something fully, it might in this case i talk about depression but it might also be other things that go on in your mind or in your life uh, you accept it fully and often the moment you do you're just happy to to be the way you are it starts to fall apart doesn't it it starts to disappear that's a paradox in a way now but sometimes you need a little bit more than just acceptance with with uh, with depression, because one thing when uh, you're depressed, it seems like it will never end. There is no light at the end of the tunnel, as they say, everything seems dark, darkness, and in the back of your mind, you know you, you've been happy before, but you sort of forgot about all about it, like happiness ah, that's not for me. <laughs> I'm just a depressed person and I will not be happy again. That's what it feels like anyway when you are in that kind of mindset. It's not realistic though. But this kind of hopelessness, that is what makes depression the worst. Hopelessness and feeling helpless, like nothing will ever change. That is what also I think leads people to suicide as well. When you think there's no light at the end of the tunnel, then you might as well end your life. So it's important to remind yourself, whether you're depressed or you have anything else going on in your life, that there is always hope. There's light at the end of the tunnel. And the Buddha taught us that everything in life, all these things that arise, are impermanent they will not last they're all bound to change and this is a reflection that can be very helpful in these kind of situations so you don't get stuck in your depression you don't get stuck inside of your mind this depression will change one day you won't be unhappy forever So that is, I feel the most important, a- apart from acceptance, the reali- apart from acceptance, the most important thing is to realize that there is hope. There's always uh, change. And once you realize that there is hope and that things can change, then you might be willing change the way you look at yourself the way you look at life and the way you think because in depression is often caused by certain ways that we think or ways that we act ways that we feel there I just mentioned acceptance and commitment therapy but that is a little bit modern more well known maybe to some of you is cognitive behavioral therapy. Who has heard of that before? Yeah, some of you have heard of that before. Nice. So that is a kind of a therapy on where the underlying idea is that your thoughts shape the way you feel. And if you have negative thoughts about yourself or about life, then you will feel negative as well. And this... I would say, is also stolen from the Buddha. <laughs> this uh, nah, it's not stolen from the Buddha, of course. People individually found that out as well, but the Buddha already said these things as well. Your perceptions change your feelings. And now certain thoughts you might have when you're depressed is like ah, oh, I, I should be a better person. I am a failure. And if you think like that, I should be a better person. I am a failure. I always fail at everything. That's how you f- might feel if you're depressed. If you think like that, yeah, you're going to feel unhappy, of course. You can see the logic in that. Then it's helpful to actually to challenge those thoughts. And some of the sutta says, the Buddha said, I divided my thoughts into two kinds unwholesome thoughts and wholesome thoughts like thoughts that lead to unhappiness and suffering and thoughts that lead to happiness and peace as I said this cognitive therapy is just stolen from the Buddha (laughs) no it's not but if you think for example I always feel I give a little bit of an extreme example maybe but this is not an uncommon thought you might have when you're depressed I always fail at everything, why even try? Is that actually a realistic thought? Does ev- do, does anybody in life always fail at everything they do? Huh? No. When you're in a depression, then you might really believe that kind of thought. But when you think about it m- more logically, then no, of course you don't fail at everything in life. You also succeed in many things. Uh, I think you already succeeded, for example, just by coming here and meditating before. Not many people in the world even try to do that sort of a thing. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I'm always amazed that people even wanted to come and listen to uh, Buddhist monastics like me. I think that is a wonderful thing. That is... Great success in your life that you are walking this path. So these kind of thoughts that fuel our depression, try to challenge them, yeah? and I give just a little broad overview and some examples of how to do that. But um, you might even look online at the uh, cognitive therapy. How does that work? Yeah, and you'll find some examples. You might even want to visit a therapist if you're really, really depressed. But. Yeah. As I said, at the start, depression is not a simple topic, and there's not one solution always for everybody. So sometimes this cognitive therapy, this approach might work, but sometimes it might not. Um what I found really helpful for myself is not to change only the way I think about myself and about life but also my behavior uh, to change the way I live and everybody will probably know that certain things in life just lead to happiness the certain actions you do in life lead to happiness like uh, taking care of yourself eating healthy, doing exercise, like physical exercise, going to visit friends, those kind of things will actually make you more happy. But the problem is when you're depressed, you sort of know that, like, okay, I should exercise, I should uh, take better care of myself. I shouldn't just stay in bed the whole morning or whatever you do when you're depressed uh you know that but you just don't want to exercise you don't want to uh want to uh, eat healthy or visit friends and all these things walk in nature all these things we know cause happiness you just don't want to do this because you're not motivated to do them you're so sad you don't feel like doing anything is that recognizable to anybody here or Uh, I see a see a few knots, so that's good. And and so, what do you do then? You know you should take better care of yourself, but you don't. You just don't feel like it. And my advice comes from the uh, sports company Nike: Nike, just do it. (laughs) Just do it. Just go and exercise. Just go and. Uh, out for a walk in nature just call up, call up a friend just do it and don't wait for the motivation and you'll find and this is so, so, so surprising in a way that the motivation comes after you start <laughs> once you start your exercise for example uh, then suddenly you feel motivated to continue yeah so just do it just go for it yeah and Even though you don't feel motivated at all, start doing all these good things that we know are good for us. And really, if I would have to give one piece of advice for depressed people is do exercise. Uh, As a monk, you might think, oh, what kind of exercise do you get as a monk? I've even gotten that question once during a retreat. I asked people to ask questions about meditation and stuff, but the the questions were like, uh, what do you do for exercise Uh, (laughs) as a monk? And once it was even a question, uh, what's in your bag? (laughs) Why are people, uh, I answered, I just showed them what was in my bag. I don't have my bag with me right now, I have this little bag and I just showed them what was in there, not much anyway, but. Uh, Yeah, exercise. I exercise quite a lot as a monk, actually. I feel it's very necessary, at least for me, to keep me uh, healthy. And not only healthy, but keep me happy as well. If I don't exercise, I get really... uh, uh, My energy goes down, and get sad, and I don't feel like like, uh, my usual self. So anyway, um, yeah, that's one definite tip I would give. And the Buddha, of course, he was the big walker of his day of his days. You read the suttas, he was walking all over the place, all over uh, the north of India. Even when he was 80 years old, just before he died, he was still doing these amazing walks, so from town to town. Uh, they didn't have cars back then, uh, so the, the, the monastics would all always walk. So even the Buddha did a lot of exercise. So, I talked a little bit about how to approach depression, first of all to accept it, open your heart to it, there's nothing wrong with being depressed, you just, you can love yourself even when you're depressed, it's okay, because behind the depression is is actually a lot of beauty, you actually care for yourself, and you might find that to be true. Second of all, I said, don't be hopeless, because everything is impermanent, everything changes. And this is not only true for depression, but you might have something else. Uh, you might have uh, anxiety, traumas, and nothing, hap- nothing lasts forever. Everything uh, is impermanent, as the Buddha said. That's the second thing I taught you how to approach depression. Third thing I thought I I spoke about was the way we think. Yeah, try to change the way you think. Investigate your thoughts. Are the thoughts you are telling yourself all all the time all over again? Are they actually making you happy or just dragging you down all the time? Yeah, are they wholesome or unwholesome? Are they helpful or not? And try to move away from the unwholesome unrealistic thoughts and find the thoughts that are helpful and i also told you just do it (laughs) just go and eat healthy exercise do all these things that we know are good for us and don't wait for the motivation and thirdly i want to talk a little bit about changing our feelings directly So I talked a little bit about changing your thoughts to change your feelings, changing the way you you behave, the way you act to change your feelings. But we can also change our feelings directly. And as Buddhists, we have excellent tools for this. And we did a little bit before. (laughs) Yes, applause, Eddie gives applause for the Buddha because the Buddha, (laughs) the buddha gave us excellent tools to change our feelings directly namely meditation meditation when i discovered meditation my whole life changed and it became so much happier and more exciting meditation itself is sound as it looks from the outside really boring You, you see somebody And when it gets exciting, then you see them. <laughs> wow, he moved! <laughs> <laughs> and also, when you in, sit inside your own head, you, you're meditating, and it might be really boring. But in my experience, this thing which looks so boring actually can make it's another paradox, it can make life so much more beautiful. And I hope some of you have realized that as well. And I know some of you have realized that as well. Some of you have come on these meditation retreats and you don't do that just to make yourself bored out of your skull for nine days (laughs) or however long the retreat is. No, you do it because you know it will give you so much benefit. And it does give you happiness. And that's why I became a monk. Not because of the free food. (laughs) I got, they say there's no such thing as a free lunch, but I get a free lunch every day, actually. (laughs) It's amazing. Not a single day that I haven't gotten lunch well, unless I chose to, but there was always food. Uh, Wow, amazing. And the other day, actually, I ran out of toothpaste. And I, and I, when I was a layperson, I had to go to the store and buy toothpaste. But now I just walked into the monk's storeroom, free toothpaste, <laughs> what? I'm not exact. I was so happy with the free toothpaste. Uh, yeah, it's just amazing. And yeah, I want to thank all the people wh- who donated toothpaste to the monastery. <laughs> but also, don't do- donate too much toothpaste, because toothpaste is the thing that we always People to think, like, oh, what shall I donate? Oh, they probably need toothpaste. So you got so much toothpaste, we have to give some away even. Anyway, I'm digressing. Uh, what was I talking about again? <laughs> oh, yeah, meditation, of course. Uh, it can make you so happy, happy. And I encourage everybody to, to, to not just meditate when it's the uh, Friday night talk, but to meditate a bit more. But back to the topic of depression. When you're depressed, meditation can also help. And they did studies about meditation and see if it lowers people's depression score. There is this depression score and it goes from 0 to 50. If you're like uh, 0, no, let's say, let's start with 50. If you're like 50, then you're... Uh, basically suicidal, and you're the worst depression ever. If you're zero, you're like uh, the Buddha happy, like super happy. (laughs) And so everything, usually everybody is somewhere in between this depression scale. Now they did tests with meditation to see how much can it lower people on the depression scale. And they tested different kinds of meditation. And there's what do you think worked the best love and kindness yes. it did you read this study or you you just guessing <laughs> you're guessing you probably have lots of experience with loving kindness then because indeed it was loving kindness meditation which worked the best to lower people's depression score and it lowered people's score just as much that's the best medication, actually. So wow, that is amazing. And you know what? Loving kindness also comes without any negative side effects, unlike medi- unlike medication. <laughs> it only comes with positive side effects. So if you do feel depressed or stuck in sadness and gloom then I would advise you give love and kindness a shot. And the reason I think it works is because, first of all, it's all about acceptance. And you learn to accept your state of mind, whatever it is, whether it be positive or negative. You're just happy with it regardless. Maybe happy is not the right word, but you're, you're just friendly toward yourself and accepting. Second of all, Love and kindness also intrinsically creates a lot of joy. The more you do it, the more you'll realize this as well. It's not just being kind; it's being joyful kind. Yeah. So that's the last type of advice I would give you about depression. But well, I got f- I have four more minutes to fill. <laughs> I don't have to if I don't want to. Or or I could just go on forever until you all walk out out of boredom. But I think the official time is quarter to nine that we usually stop. I just want to say one final thing. Is when we have problems in life, I already said before, acceptance is important. And another way to look at problems in life, I can explain with a little... Similarly, I heard that like in the 90s or so, uh, the world was really hyping up to send people to the moon to start like moon base there and live there. It never happened. But that was really like a thing people were looking into. And maybe there are again with Mars and whatever. But they started in America this thing called the Biosphere Project. Has anybody ever heard of that? The Biosphere Project, they basically sealed off a bunch of people in a huge, like, glass building, uh, which has all these, um, what do you call that here in English? All these, like, uh, types of nature in it. I don't know the official word. So you had, like, a desert, and you had, like, a, a savanna, and you had, like, Uh, a tropical rainforest and the idea was it was all sealed and the idea was the plants create the oxygen and then they they make the co2 and it was all like a sealed thing so they could test to send it to Mars anyway long story or to the moon and what happened to the trees there was really really interesting I find the trees inside the biosphere project so they tried to grow like savanna trees or whatever. The trees wouldn't grow properly. And why did the trees not grow properly? Didn't they get enough water? No, yeah, they got enough water. Didn't they get enough uh, nutrients? Yeah, they got enough nutrients. But one thing they didn't get enough of was wind. Trees in nature are always subject to wind, they're always stressed. There's this thing called stress wood, like that makes the tree strong. The wind is what makes trees strong. And the trees in the biosphere project, you can Google this if you want, I'm not just making this up or anything, they wouldn't grow properly because there was no wind. And this, I think, is a simile for life. If we don't have problems in life from time to time, we don't grow to be strong people. We don't grow into... The best version of ourselves that we can be. So if you have a depression, if you have something, other problems in your life, don't look at it negatively because it can teach you something. It can make you stronger just like the wind makes the tree stronger. And in this way we can learn from problems and also be happy, whatever comes our way so i hope that talk has been helpful for you some reflections maybe whether you're depressed or not it's all uh all i gotta say <laughs> i don't know i i feel like this was such a, like a serious talk i want to finish it in a serious way but i don't know what to say anymore so maybe <laughs> maybe we just should say uh Sadhu to the Buddha. And then afterwards we can do some questions. Thank you all for listening. Any questions? Now we get all the questions about how should I deal with my partner and my car is broken down. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, please. Uh, Thank you, Venerable, for the um, beautiful talk. Um, Very relevant, um, I think, to a lot of people and for myself. um, Related to your last point on loving-kindness meditation, not asking you to guide us through to a meditation right now, but what are the steps? Um, that you can recommend to people? Thank you. That's a very good question. Uh, There's lots of ways to do loving-kindness meditation. It's actually one of my primary meditation methods uh, that I do. And I gave uh, like a weekend retreat on it uh, even. So maybe if you Google Sunyo Meta Retreat or whatever they called it, you can find some there. But I'll give you some tips right now. But I can't, of course, guide you, as you say. But uh, especially important when you um, don't love yourself and you feel down upon yourself is maybe not start loving-kindness meditation with yourself. Yeah, That's often how it's taught. Like You start with yourself and then you spread it towards your loved ones and then you spread it towards people in general and then you even include your enemies. And so in that... Like spreading out, it's assumed that you love yourself the most. Uh, but when you're depressed, you don't love yourself the most. (laughs) Yeah, it's like the opposite. You don't like yourself. So maybe then don't start with loving yourself, but start with something you find easy to like. And maybe a a friend, uh, a family member that you've got kind feelings towards. And some people find that even difficult. And Arjun Brahm often teaches loving kindness meditation, imagining like a little pet that you have like a little kitten if you're a cat person, or a little puppy if you're a dog person, or a joey kangaroo if you're a kangaroo person. (laughs) We've got all these joeys in the monastery now, it's the season that that they all come out of the pouch and you just see them and you're just like, ah, they're so cute, you know. So you might even start loving kindness meditation uh, with that as like your subject and imagine like cuddling and animal and maybe you already feel like, oh, you feel like this kind of loving feeling already arising. Maybe when I just say it and uh, starting with that, then you can start to spread it towards uh, other people and the whole world, the whole universe. And then finally, when it's really like you made your loving kindness meditation as strong as it can get and you bring it all back to yourself and especially the specific parts of yourself where you feel like your depression is hiding and yeah, sometimes it feels like your body is not depressed it's like some part in you or something that doesn't feel right and you just bring it all there and with full love and acceptance Yeah. yeah good question thank you Thank you very much uh,
1: for a uh, very il- um, different sort of topic <laughs> that you normally know, address, suttas. Mm-hmm. And um, going back to the suttas uh, and also relating depression or
0: mental kind of uh, mm-hmm.
1: upset by some monks in the early stages of Buddha's teaching life, uh, there was... Uh, mm, kind of a place where some monks were committing suicide mm-hmm. because they were doing a wrong practice or something like that. Yeah.
0: Um, could you elaborate on that and then what went wrong and how did the Buddha fix it? Yeah, okay, that's Thank a good question. Uh, it's not, yeah, okay, it's, it's, it's related to depression in because of suicide, but actually the monks in that sutta were not depressed. Or, uh, it's a little bit of a strange story And I think it's a little bit of an exaggeration and I myself think it didn't really happen. So I'll just tell the story in short. So one time the Buddha taught the monks. Before I tell the story. The reason I think it probably didn't happen is because it's a background story to one of the rules that monks have, like Arvanaya rules. And many of those stories are actually uh, different in different traditions of the text. So, And they're also sometimes a little bit strange and doubtful. And uh, this one is a strange one because the Buddha taught the monks not loving-kindness meditation, but uh, meditation on the foulness, the, 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 the ugliness of the body. Like uh, it's made out of bones and pus and blood and all that sort of stuff. And um, the Buddha taught that is. so the story goes. Then he went on a retreat for two days, two weeks, sorry. He came back, and uh, some of the monks, uh, they committed suicide in the meantime. or Actually, they got somebody else to kill them sometimes. Really strange, but the idea is probably that they did meditation on the body wrongly, and they thought, ah, uh, the way to get rid of the body is by killing myself and I will be reborn in some heaven or something. So it wasn't depression in that case. It's a wrong view, is it? Yeah, wrong view, actually, actually. And as I say, it's a strange story, I don't believe it myself. But then the Buddha actually taught uh, mindfulness of breathing instead. Yeah? Nice thing about that, st- that story, if it were true, is that even the Buddha makes mistakes, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even know what was going to happen when he taught that kind of meditation. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, but suicide is sort of, I didn't really touch upon it, but that's of course, another difficult topic, especially when loved ones committed suicide. And how to deal with that is, yeah, (coughs) another (coughs) topic altogether. I had a good friend who committed suicide and it's really, uh, when you're sad, when somebody commits suicide, then that's not depression. This is one of those natural kind of sadness, which is okay, but uh, yeah. Often you, you blame yourself for something you couldn't really do anything about. But anyway, that's, that's a different topic.
1: Yeah. Well, Ajan uh, Sunil, 10 years now, yeah.
0: Thanks for the really, really wonderful
1: talk on depression. Yeah, there's no doubt, you know, when you said that the Buddha, he gave us the best tools, no, on how to deal with depression. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Yeah, he was telling us our mind is a forerunner of all states. Okay, yeah, so depression is a state, you know, created from prolonged stress, no, negative thinking, Mm -hmm. and which affects our our feelings, this thing, and put us down, the thing. Okay, yeah, so the 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 um. Not realizing this, okay? We go to, we say, oh, what's wrong, you know? When you get depression, the whole system get buggers up, fucked up the, the, the thing, yeah? So the, the thing is, we go to see doctor, they give us medication, you know? If you can realize without teaching, okay? Look, understand the mind, you know? is causing this thing, okay? We put in positive thinking, you know, okay? to more positive thinking to drown, you know? The negative thinking, this thing, to make ourselves up, you know. Right. So eventually, what I mean is, we 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 cure ourselves from depression. I'm speaking through experience. Hmm. You see what I mean? I do see what you mean. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's what you said too. I think. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Did you have a question or? No, no. I'm just trying to say, like the.
1: Fine. From a different angle, when you say this thing, I'm, I've am i been through this, okay? So I'm expressing myself. Ah. I put, you put it more, it's through prolonging negative thinking, negative thinking, and you feel the feelings down, and you feel down, 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 mm. and the whole system gets buggered up. Like, the thing, you know? mm. So the only way to do it is to, the doctors can give you medication. So you do it yourself, from Buddha's teaching, you up yourself, the thing. Mm. You, you can see, I know that, you know. I'm just saying from my experience, no, thank you. Yeah, to to confirm what you, you 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 say.
0: Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, yeah. and as I said at the beginning, nothing against medit- uh, medication. Uh, um, I almost said meditation, medication, meditation. Nothing against medication, and uh, often it can be actually a saving, uh, saving thing for people. It actually might actually help a lot. But uh, in the end, I think there's always has to be something more than just medication. And again, I'm not a doctor. I've never taken that kind of medication myself. But uh, it always has to, as as you say, go beyond medication. Probably yeah. is S- what I believe, anyway. So Sorry, to agenda. apply these tools.
1: So, you, yeah. for the person who doesn't know how to use this Buddha's teaching, they have to go to for the medication. You know. Those who know how to do this, you can apply. For those who don't know this thing, they still have to, you know. And slowly, you mm. know, mm. as you know more of the teaching, then you, you 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 use your own way, you know, to deal with the problem. Yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah.
0: yeah, but I just wanted to make sure uh, that you can also use both, <laughs> just for people who, because because you know, I I might be alone in this, uh, probably not, by the way, but. Sometimes I feel like ashamed of myself if I have to use medication for something. I really have this attitude that oh, I'm gonna solve it all by myself. I don't need this. This is like if I use medication, it's like I'm a fake almost. One time, one time, uh, yeah, I think it was on like a Katina day or something. Then Katina day is like a ceremonial day, and then they have this tour around the monastery. They guide people from uh, through the monastery. They show the monk's huts and they always one monk's hut get chosen that people can go in there and just look around how the monk lives. And uh, I think for uh, three or four years in a row that monk has been me for some reason. <laughs> Is it right? Yeah. And uh, One time I remember I had this panador in my kuti. And I was like, I felt almost like ashamed of oh, people see I use Panadol. <laughs> Stupid thought, you know, you can use <laughs> Panadol. It doesn't, nobody will think anything of it. You'd get a headache as a monk as well from time to time. But I felt ashamed of it in a way. And uh, so uh, I'm saying that just to make sure that if you w- use medication for anything, don't feel like that. Okay, it's fine. I've said that a couple of times now. I just want to make sure. All right, any more questions here from the floor? Please. The floor sounds like we're like in a business meeting or something. Thank, thank you for your talk, Venerable Señor. I'm just wondering if you would consider the precepts or generosity would also have an effect on
1: expression. Thank
0: you. Yes, there's so much more you could say about this topic. And so much more approaches you can take. As I said at the beginning, it will not be like a single thing that solves everything, probably. And uh, generosity, the precepts, these are also very important things. Yeah? And I would put this under like the behavior heading that I talked a little bit about before. And these are more specifically Buddhist. So it's actually good that you bring them up. Uh, and maybe I should have done so myself. But yeah, also when you feel depressed, you don't feel like being generous, you know. Uh, you don't feel like uh, taking care of yourself. But one of the precepts, for example, not to drink alcohol, of Alcohol, of course, makes you very depressed as well. And uh, also keeping all the other precepts makes you happy. Generosity makes you happy. We just drove up here like the in the afternoon and had to stop at the light somewhere. And there was this person holding a sign next to the light, help me. When I was a layperson, I always had in my wallet some spare money for that type of people. If I met the, like a homeless person, uh, I wasn't rich. I was a student, so I was actually quite poor. And I struggled with money. But I always made sure to have some money aside to give to homeless people, to buy them something to eat, or just give them some of the money. And that is one of the sad things. As a monk, I can't do that <laughs> anymore <laughs> because uh, I don't ha- own any money. But I was offered a bottle of water before we started on the ride, but I didn't drink it. So I gave the homeless, probably homeless person, a bottle m- just a bottle of water is all I could give. And uh, yeah, just r- makes me so happy just to do that kind of thing. So generosity really, really makes you... Happy as well. Yeah. Very helpful. Thanks. Thanks for that comment. All right. Seems like we have no more questions from the floor. <laughs> 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 How should we call it instead? The audience? No, I, you know, like get you know, more like my friends than an audience. So There's lots of questions from online. So what I will do. Is people whose legs are starting to hurt who want to leave? I will just c- close my eyes for a moment. <laughs> this is your opportunity to leave. Who's leaving? <laughs> no. Feel free to leave at any point. Question from Ola Dear Venerable, I suffer from depression. Ah, good. <laughs> First of all, means I didn't give my talk for nothing, hopefully, <laughs> but also, as I said, there's always a beauty behind it, d- hidden deeply behind it. Sometimes I think that I could or should, maybe try to say, stop existing. Could it be that my bad comma that is making me suffer? Should I accept this state or fight it? Well, we talked about acceptance before, but don't start blaming yourself. Like if we think, ah, it's my bad comma is making me suffer. And it's almost like, ah, you blame yourself for something that you did maybe in the past. You might not know specifically what it was because you call it bad comma. And when people say, ah, it's my bad comma, it's often just this uh, saying like they don't really know what it was. But don't blame yourself. Blaming yourself is just another part of depression, actually. Uh, because you're you you do not feel happy about yourself and so you start blaming yourself but don't do that so another way to approach this is forgiveness uh, as a monk we have a very strict code of things that we cannot do and things that we should do and I am NOT a perfect monk so I often feel keep this monastic code. And what do I do? Do I ah stupid Sunyo? You should be a better monk. Or do I go ah Sunyo? It's okay. You did not keep that rule, but there was good reasons for it. You know, you just try your best. It's okay. And sometimes we just make mistakes, and it's not that I'm purposefully making myself suffer i always have the best intentions towards myself even when i at the moment i break a rule i always have at least do it because i think i am better off that way <laughs> you know i always do it out of kindness for myself In a way, does that make some sense to you yeah you don't purposefully make yourself suffer is what i'm saying so never blame yourself always be kind towards yourself at least try, try that, and we all make mistakes. Yeah. And if you think you should stop existing, I said before, there's always light at the end of the tunnel when it comes to depression. It, nothing, depression won't last. But also, if it's really bad, try maybe. Not just to listen to Buddhist monks who, as I said, know nothing about everything, but maybe find a professional also to help you out. Talk also with friends and family about it as well. There is no reason to be ashamed about what you're thinking. Many people have been in the exact same mindset as you. And I will not do what I sometimes do is poll people in the audience, raise your hand if... But I'm sure that if I would say raise your hand if you've been depressed, maybe even suicidal, that there would be a significant amount of hands going up here. And don't feel bad about that, Ola. It's all all okay. Um, Richard from Bolivia asked, wow, Bolivia, it's it's amazing. I give a talk in Australia. People all the way in Bolivia can hear it. I want to donate blood, but the hospital doesn't allow me because I'm taking medicaments, medication. But my doctor, it is a Kalyanamitta, said to me that my medicaments are safe. So I want to lie to donate blood. What do you think? I wouldn't harm anyone. Well, my suggestion would be don't lie. Yeah, the Buddha gave uh, a set of precepts, which are very important for our happiness. And one of them is to not lie and you you're struggling. Some people are a giggling a bit because they think the answer is obvious, but the the thing I- is you're struggling with two um, opposing emotions. And we all have been in life. Sometimes we have to make a decision and there's two opposing, um, thoughts going on. So on the one side you want to be um, wholesome by or you want to be uh, helpful by donating blood and on the other hand you don't want to be unwholesome uh, by not lying. And my suggestion is if you're ever in that kind of a situation always choose to avoid the unwholesome first. So avoid, avoid the lying first And then afterwards you can see what kind of wholesome thing can I do. And it's a very beautiful thing that you want to donate blood, but if they don't allow it because you're taking medication, then just find something else to donate. Like a bottle of water that I talked about before. You don't have to donate blood per se. There's many other ways you can help people. You might even volunteer in a hospital. You might volunteer in the blood clinic I don't know if you need to take some sort of education for that or something but you might be able to do something like that instead yeah that's what I would do and also you say I wouldn't harm anyone but I would say that's up to the blood clinic to decide yeah at NASA asked. Recently in my meditation practice, in bringing the mind to a point of stillness, I have observed thoughts to slow down, and noticed many thoughts slow down to one thought, or its process, or its processes. I'm not sure exactly what that means. but The question is, is this okay? Is this safe? (laughs) Yes. Don't worry. And the reason you're probably asking this is that it feels very, um, very un, un, unnatural, or it's the word I'm looking for? Sometimes I just get stuck for looking for one particular word. But it feels very new. Let's put it that way. Very new to you, and to to be without thoughts. Because we're thinking all our lives, thinking about this, thinking about that. And when the thoughts slow down, it feels like part of you start disappearing as well. And then you're like, ah, part of me is disappearing. It might be really scary at first, yeah? But no, it's completely safe. Many people can attest to this. Even when you had a really peaceful meditation with no thoughts at all, In the end, they always come back again, isn't it? (laughs) And at some point you'll be looking back at the beautiful meditation when it was so still inside. When I prepare for these talks, just, just earlier this afternoon, how do I prepare for the talk? I sit and still my thoughts down and just be quiet because that way you get a lot of energy. And you can be hopefully a bit more creative. So no, it's completely safe. Please indulge in slowing your thoughts down as much as you want. Amandeep. Why do people have all these difficult names all of a sudden? Amandeep asks, how best to distinguish depression, which requires medication from escape, or laziness or sloth and torpor. Well, in a way depression is, is a label that <laughs> I've given to a certain state of sadness, but it's like a continuum in reality. Yeah? Um, it's not like you cross a certain line and now you're suddenly depressed. Like, a sudden, uh, like, like you cross a certain line of sadness and now you're depressed. I talked before about this scale from zero to fifty. It's not like when you cross twenty-five, then you're depressed, and if you're below twenty-five, then you're n- not depressed. So it's it's um, it's a, a continuum. So sometimes you don't need to call it depression. But how to distinguish it from escapism, laziness, and sloth and torpor? And it's probably uh, the the length that it uh, stays with you Yeah, if you're like lazy you might be lazy for uh, for a week and slot and you might be tired for a week but when it's depression it usually lasts much longer than that and it's also of a different kind either way the tools that i've given you especially meditation will be useful either way yeah and But I'm not somebody who can make uh, a clear, like, um, 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 uh, um, can assess somebody that, oh, yeah, they are depressed or not, uh, because I'm not a doctor. So, yeah, just mainly was talking from my own experience. Oh, now this microphone is breaking as well. <laughs> Some noise in the background for the people on the Internet who might not hear. Eddie Tim asks, or Adi maybe, a question from Indonesia. Tonight's topic is so important, so does Buddhism have a strategic steps to overcome depression? Is depression a feeling, and how is it related to thoughts? How do we become more positive? Well, that's sort of what I talked about. So um, you're basically asking me to give a talk about it. Dep- okay, here we go. <laughs> 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 when I was a student I was assistance engineer. No, 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 okay. Uh, well, it's maybe a good question because in Buddhism there's not like a strategic steps to overcome depression. So the Buddha in his talks gave lots of useful tools but actually surprisingly he never, as far as I know, specifically talks about how to deal depression usually he assumes people are kinda of happy already and then he teaches them how to be even more happy and so there's not like strategic steps I will just give you some overviews and also I think that Buddhism is not the uh, only thing that you might want to try when you're really depressed you might wanna try other things as well and I did not get enough time to Say everything there is to say about this topic, of course. There's much more to say. Um, but uh, I hope you found s- at least some inspiration or some ideas of how to deal with this. And uh, thanks everybody for your questions, both online here. Thanks also for your attention and some people for their open heartedness. Um, thank you. All right, let us pay respects to the Buddha, Dhamma and Sangha.